Welcome to the Greater Church Podcast. We are praying that wherever you find yourself on the journey, that this message will be an encouragement and blessing to you. And now, here's today's message. If you have your Bibles, can you go to Hebrews chapter 8? There's so much scripture that I'm going to do my best to unpack. Um, And it's going to be cool. One thing I like about this um, book, as you turn to it, it's so cool because to this day, we still don't know who wrote it. Some people still think it was Paul because he wrote, like, most of the New Testament, but they're like, it could be a disciple. It's anonymously written, but it has so much meat and so much revelation, and God has been giving me so much, and I'm excited because what he gave me, I hope I could give it to you. Um, So y'all pray for me as I stand up here. So Hebrews 8 is going to be on the screen. And it says, now the main point of what we are saying is this. We do have such a high priest who sat down at the right hand of the throne of the majesty in heaven and who serves in the sanctuary, the true tabernacle set up by the Lord, not by a mere human being. Every high priest is appointed to offer both gifts and sacrifices, and so it was necessary for this one also to have something to offer. If he were on earth, he would not be a priest, for there are already priests who offer the gifts prescribed by the law. They serve at a sanctuary that is a copy and a shadow of what is in heaven. This is why Moses was warned when he was about to build the tabernacle. See to it that you make everything according to the pattern shown to you on the mountain. But in fact, the ministry of Jesus has received is as superior to theirs as the covenant of which he is mediator is superior to the old one, since the new covenant is established on better promises. I want to skip to verse 10 where it says, This is the covenant I will establish with the people of Israel after that time, declares the Lord. I will put my laws in their minds and write them on their hearts. I will be their God and they will be my people. No longer will they teach their neighbor or say to one another, Know the Lord, because they will all know me from the least of them to the greatest. That's probably my favorite line. From the least of them to the greatest. For I will forgive their wickedness and I will receive their sins no more. By calling this covenant new. Can everyone say new? New. He has made the first one obsolete. And what is obsolete is outdated and will soon disappear. And I want to jump to Hebrews 6, verse 18, where it says, God did this so that by two unchangeable things in which it is impossible for God to lie, we who have fled to take hold of the hope set before us may be greatly encouraged. And this is the whole theme of this morning's message. I want to land here. We have this hope as an anchor for the soul, firm and secure. It enters the inner sanctuary behind the curtain where our forerunner Jesus has entered on our behalf. He has become a high priest forever in the order of Melchizedek. Let's pray. Father, we love you. We're so grateful for you. Holy Spirit, I pray that you would come and dwell, rest on our eyes and ears so that we may be open to receiving. Father, I pray right now that I would decrease and that you would increase. Lord, I pray that the words that are being spoken, let it not be my words, but yours. Have your way in our hearts. Have your way in this service. Speak, Lord. It's in your name we pray. Amen. So we just read this idea of hope. And to be honest, this is the word, this is the message. Y'all could go home. It's just hope. But if I have to dissect it and deconstruct it for 30 minutes, I will do my best. But see, I had a problem with this word hope before. When I heard the word hope, I immediately thought it was too cliche. It was something like, everything's all right, everything's okay. You know, like, that's just too animated. That's not realistic. But what God is showing me is, when I'm talking about the word hope, I'm not saying anti-problems. I'm not saying anti-pain. If anything, I'm actually saying both. 
In order to have hope, I need the problems. I need the pain. He's showing me you need one to have the other. So I'm a person that loves definitions and I like to be practical and clear. So this is the mapping of this morning. We're going to do three things. First, we have to define what hope is. Okay. Two, we got to understand, well, why is hope so important? Right. And then we're going to learn, well, where does hope come from? Where is it found? And so definitions, thank you so much, Google. According to Google, hope is defined as an optimistic state of mind that is based on expectation of positive outcomes with respects to events and circumstances in one life or world at large. As a verb, its definitions include expect with confidence and to cherish a desire with anticipation. I love that, that phrase that says to expect with confidence. And I could pose a question right here. Church, have you recently expected anything with confidence? Have you been expecting something, some opportunity, some relationship, anything, but you had a confidence that it was yours? Have you had confidence in that expectation? Whatever it was that God said he was going to do, did you exercise that muscle recently? You know who I think has an easy time with this? Children. Yeah. Let me tell you, every time it was my birthday, Christmas, holiday, I just knew a gift was coming. I had confident expectation. My family is so big. I was like, it don't matter if one miss, I'm getting a gift no matter what. It was, I just knew. I was so confident. No matter what, every birthday, I had a gift, no matter how big or how small. But I noticed the older I got, my hope and my expectation and my joy started to decrease. Yeah. And I'm trying to wonder, I'm asking myself this question, well, at what point did I lose my hope? Wow. And then I'm asking myself a better question, well, why is it so important that I hold on to it? Because, you know, as we get older, we're like, we're not expecting gifts because we're the gift givers. We're the one buying the gifts, so we're not expecting anything. So why is it so important that we hold on to hope? Now, I'm an artist, for those of you who don't know me. I, I'm a creative, and when I was in school, I hated hated science. We had a teacher, and I'm not even playing, y'all. Her name was Miss Gross. I'm not even joking. Her name was Miss Gross. And no, no beef, no disrespect, Miss Gross, but she was going through it, y'all. During that time, she always came with a bad attitude. Everything was just like, ugh. And she tried to teach me something like mitochondria. What the heck is a mitochondria? I still don't know. I still don't know. <laughs> but as I got older, <laughs> as I got older, I started to understand that science is just a creative way to understand the create creativity of God. So that's when I started to fall in love with it. I'm like, oh, you're explaining how good God is. Okay, I guess I'll get into it. And so based on studies, I came across a study where newer scientists found what hope does to the brain. It says the feeling of hopefulness changes your brain. Your brain cup pumps chemicals when experiencing the sensation of hope. Wow. These chemicals block out pain and accelerate healing. That's so good. Block out pain and accelerate healing. So that means... I needed pain to experience healing. So I needed a problem to have a purpose. So then I'm guessing, well, I guess the pain is not the problem. Or at least the problem is not the problem. You see, I thought in this Christian life, the whole point was to anticipate a life without pain. That's what I thought. See, I have this amazing mom. She's Amazing. She's, I'm so lucky to have her. Y'all can say whatever y'all want. I have the best mom on the planet. And she has these moments where she's super deep and super profound. And then she has moments where she's just plain and simple. And I remember asking her this question. I was like, Mom, why is hope so important? And she simply said, well, people who don't have, our, people who don't have hope are simply dead. Wow. 
And I was like, oof, that hurt. <laughs> but I took it a little deeper. I was like, what about that spiritual death? Anybody seen the show Walking Dead? I haven't seen it for real, but social media will give you so much clips, you've basically seen the show. But the picture I'm trying to give you is that the zombie. To me, I think a zombie is a perfect representation of what spiritual death looks like. Wow. You're just trudging your way, moment to moment, hour to hour, paycheck to paycheck, no purpose, wow. no meaning, no sense, unable to enjoy the sensations of hope, life, the beauty around you. You're just there, but you're not there. Chino gave me this book to read this past um, year called Leadership Pain. And that was, it was an amazing book. And in chapter one, they talked about this girl with this real condition called congen congenital, I hope I'm saying it right, congenital indifference, which is a form of leprosy where she's unable to experience pain. And I thought, that sounds great, but did you know because she's unable, her brain is unable to give her signals of, hey, you're in pain, she lost legs due to amputation, she lost some fingers, she would chew on her tongue for so long that it soon became swollen and lacerated. Her dad described her as a human monster. She was, she was known as the human metaphor of what it looks like to have a life without pain. So I missed it. I thought the whole point of this journey was to live a life without pain. And God's like, no, 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 no. The pain is not the problem. The problem is not the problem. Her body could not tell her, hey, you went too far. You jumped too hard. You need to reset. You need to recover. You need some healing. Yeah. You need a rest. She had none of that. She was unable to experience it, but she was still broken. She was still broken. That's what it looks like to have a life without pain. So, so we just read about this new covenant, right? And I read, I read it for a reason because back in the day, we're talking about new, we're talking about hope. And I'm like, okay, God, if the purpose is not to live a life without pain, then what is the purpose? So we're reading in Hebrews, and they're talking about how God is creating this new covenant. Well, why was the new covenant necessary? Because back in the old days, in the Old Testament, you had this guy who was the priest, and he would represent the people. So God never really had true intimacy with his people. He had a representative that would come every Sunday and kill this calf for their, their sins. Everybody would sin every day, every week, every second. They were like ratchet and like God's like, dang, it's crazy out there. I'm just trying to get to know my people. But every time they sin, I can't look at them. I can't smell them because God can't look at that. So he's making a way out of nowhere every time. He's like, okay, do this, do this, do this. Sacrifice, do this, build this tabernacle, give me a place where I could dwell, where I can be close to you. I love Hebrews because in the beginning of Hebrews 1, it paints this picture of how holy God is and how amazing he is. He's seated on the throne, he's surrounded by angels, they're showing you how high he is. And then they pose this question, well, what is man that you are mindful of him? Wow. Nunzi's translation is, why do you care about Nunzi so much? She's like down there, she's lower than the angels, she's crazy, she's petty, she has an attitude problem. Why do you love her so much? Why are you making a way out of no way every time? You're up there, God, you're perfect, you're holy. Why do you love us so much? Yeah. That's how good God is. And so the Old Testament only had a certain power where it's like, okay, we're able to clean you on the outside, but God was like, that's not enough. I want them to know me from the least of them to the greatest. I don't want them to just know about me. I want them to know me. So then we get this new covenant, which is Jesus. Mm -hmm. We get this new covenant, which is Jesus who says, no more middleman, straight access. You have straight access to my presence. You have straight access to my power. You have this power. You have my DNA. 
That's the purpose of the new covenant. So the purpose of this life is not to live a life without pain. But it's to live a life fully active and present in the presence of God. Because in the presence of God is where you find your freedom. It's where you find your healing. It's where you find your strength. It's where you find your power. You wouldn't know how strong you are if you didn't break at some point. You wouldn't know how long you could go if you didn't stretch yourself to a limit. Stop living comfortable. Stop sitting on gifts. Chino said this word that I think is so prophetic and straight from God. He says we're on mission. And I think that's so true for today. And it's so critical that we keep our hope. Because you need hope to grow. You need hope to move. You need hope to have purpose. And if you think we're on mission and you don't know what you're doing here, you need to wake up. We have a new covenant. We have straight access to the presence of God. We don't need anybody telling us how to do it. God's like, look to me. I'll tell you how to do it. I'm looking at a room now full of people who are smarter than me. Y'all look good. Y'all have some amazing fits. Y'all look good. Y'all more, probably even more qualified. Better speakers, well-spoken, smart. So many gifts. But I'm standing in front of you with the mic. Wow. The revelation is I said, yes, God, make me a vessel. Make me an offering. Make me whatever you want me to be. I understand now when I say, yes, Jesus, live in me. Paul says, it is no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. It's not just poetry. It's real, y'all. When you say, yes, Jesus, I believe in you. You know, in Hebrews, it kept stressing this, this idea of the blood of Jesus, the blood of Jesus. And I'm, I don't really like science for real. I'm starting to fall. But I'm like, why is the blood so important? The blood is DNA. It's DNA. So when you see people touching, laying hands, it's not them. It's Jesus in them. It's his DNA that's healing. It's his DNA that's delivering. It's his DNA that's speaking. You're not looking at Nunzi. You're looking at Christ in Nunzi, moving and speaking and breathing. It's so important that you have this hope. We live in a world right now where they're trying to make Christianity look like a joke. Are you serious right now? They're trying to say, we're the ones confused. Every day there's a new gender. There's a new sexual. I'm like, are y'all serious right now? We're the ones confused. No, I'm going to stand on this hope. I'm going to stand on this truth. Let's go. Stand on it. I'm not minimizing people's pain or struggle. But if we don't keep this light, oh, we're going to be, we're gonna be in the dark for real. for real. The hope is so necessary. God was telling me all year, hope, hope, hope. And can I be honest with you? This was a hopeless year. I lost an uncle. I lost an auntie. I, I lost family members. Oh my God. Things were going rock bottom. And that's where God was the loudest with hope. 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 I'm like, what? Hope? Yeah. What the heck is hope? Hope is Jesus, friends. Wow. It's not just the name. It's not just the word. It's the reality. If you're living this thing for real, wherever you go, the presence of God is with you. So you need the heartbreak. To show evidence that it was Jesus in you that made you overcome. You need the rejection to have evidence that it was Jesus in you that made you say, keep going. Get the better opportunity. Don't settle. You need these problems to glorify God. Stop avoiding the problem. Stop trying to take the easy way out. One thing I'm learning, God is not about shortcuts. I can tell you straight up, he is not about shortcuts. He's all about the process. He's all about the long way. He's all about that real, you know, those silent walks with your person. 
You just want to be next to them. You don't got to say much. He just wants to be next to you. God is asking for intimacy again. And I think it's so funny that, well, not funny, but interesting that we just came from a pandemic. I don't know if we're still in it. I'm not sure. but (laughs) And in a place where now intimacy is like not even a thought for real. It's like, no, get away from me. We don't got to hold hands. We don't got to hug. And God's like, no, 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 no. I need my remnant to understand I need this intimacy with them. I want this intimacy. God is asking for intimacy. Because in, in, in intimacy, you stand up straighter. You're looking at, you're in the room, and everybody thinks you're in charge because your swag is different. To be honest, there's nothing about us that makes us special, but when we have the revelation that it's Christ within us, everything looks different. You know, three times this happened to me, and I thought it was very weird, in a space where it was very, like, heartbroken and depressed, and I was like, really like in the lowest of the low, I had three different strangers at three different times call me a beautiful spirit. I was just walking around my apartment, like crying, like, God, why'd you leave me? My whole family's in Miami. What am I doing here? What's the purpose of life? I thought I was supposed to have this job. And this lady says, excuse me, excuse me. You don't remember me? You did this production at our school. You had such a beautiful spirit. You have such a beautiful spirit. Then I went to California for an opportunity I thought I was going to get, but that's another story. And I'm over here like, oh, this is so cool, but nothing's happening. And then I'm at Starbucks, and this dude was like sitting across from me. He's like, you have such a beautiful spirit. And I was like, what is that about? And then I come here at this church, and this random guy, he's like, you have such a beautiful spirit. And I felt like God was saying, Nunzi, I'm here. No matter what you're facing, no matter what you're doing, I'm here. So you need to change your attitude real quick, because I'm not leaving. Stop sitting on the gifts I gave you. We're on mission, church. There's so many teachers, leaders, preachers, whatever it is, businesses, dreams. Stop sitting on the gift. Bring your hope back. Wake it back up. We don't have time to waste. This is a time where we get even more loud, more unapologetic about our faith. That's what God is looking for. He's like, who who can I send? And like Isaiah, church, we better say, here I am, Lord. Send me. Here I am. I'm saying this. I'm I'm a yeller, so don't get... I'm sorry. I get that from Chino. So I'm yelling at you, but I'm yelling at me. Okay? So don't, like, think I'm yelling at you. But I am. But not, like, you know, that. Okay? So anyways. (laughs) So just just, just have hope. (laughs) Anyways. So I, I thought about this idea, though. This is what I learned about hope. I remember I said I hated that it was a cliche, and it's not. It's not. It's how I thought about it. Could you believe where I found hope, though? In the darkest room. It's not in those places where you feel on top, where you feel like you're best, where you feel good. You're like, ah, oh, everything's good. I have hope. Absolutely not. It's in that dark dark space where you felt low, where you felt ugly, where you felt ashamed, where you felt disgusted with you, where you felt unforgivable of you. And God's like, boom, I still got a purpose for you. I can use that. I can use that. What you're calling messy, what you're calling ugly, I can use that. Give me that. Give me that. I shared my testimony last time I spoke. I was attempting suicide in my closet. That was my dark room. That was my dark room. I'm over here, and I remember I said my eyes were shut, 
And on this side, you had chaos, and you had end it, kill it, go away, nobody wants you here, like, what's the purpose of you being here? And on this side, I couldn't see a face, I couldn't see a body, but I could understand that there was a presence here. I, don't, I can't explain it to you. It was like, it's light on this side, and I, I know I can't see anybody, but I know that this is a presence here. So I had two decisions to make. I could either listen to kill yourself, you're not worthy, you're ugly, like, it ain't, it ain't worth for you to be here. You just left your family, you look stupid. Why are you here? Or, look at that light real quick. And so my brain said, look here. So I'm looking here, and there's nothing here, but again, I know it's a presence, and immediately I can hear my mom singing Psalms 23rd over me. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. And so I just focused on that. This is what hope does. It changes your perspective. The chaos is still happening. The voices didn't go away. The problem didn't go away. But I changed my perspective. And guess what? I'm still here. <laughs> I'm still here, y'all. I'm still here. You're still here. So despite your dark room, despite what you thought you could take to the grave, despite what you thought you didn't conquer, look around, church. You're still here. Therefore, you still have a mission. Therefore, you still need your hope. Therefore, you still need intimacy with Jesus. Don't try to do this without him. Don't try to do this without him. Because like my mom said, people without hope are dead. And you might say, no, I'm not. You're spiritually and emotionally checked. That's death, friend. What? Don't live a life where you can't be fully immersed and present in every gift that God gives you. And this gift is called life. Be present in every moment, with every relationship, with every encounter. Don't one second waste your time thinking, woe is me. Yeah. And I'm not yelling, but I'm, I'm yelling at me. <laughs> I'm just, you know, they, the world wants to talk. Mental health is real, yes. But we don't have to just settle for therapy. Take your therapy. I'm not... Therapy is good. Voice your frustrations. But there, there's an even better source. Yeah. When you have the revelation that you have Jesus. Yeah. Therapy is good. Talk it out. P process it. That's even biblical. You got you to gotta confront it. But don't just leave it in the hands of a person who's just listening to you for a certain time frame for a paycheck. God has no time frame. He's requiring no paycheck. <laughs> he just wants intimacy. Yeah. That's it. That's it. That's 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 it. So here's the hard part. If hope is found in dark rooms, if hope is found in dark rooms, I want to challenge you, church. If you're willing, can you go back? Wow. It's not. It's not easy. It's not easy. This dark room for many, it's not easy to go back. Some people, whatever it was, abuse, rape, avoid whatever it was, whatever that low was, can you go back there? Can you confront it? I want to do an exercise so we're less stressed out or overwhelmed. Can you close your eyes? The focus is not on me now. Can you revisit that dark room? It's, it's not easy. I know this. You could breathe through it, cry through it, scream through it, whatever you got to do. Ain't no behavior rules in the church. I'm asking you to claim your freedom back. Yeah. 
you remember that time for you where you felt the most hopeless, where you felt the most disgusted, alone, and isolated. Can you go back to that pain? Can you revisit those emotions? It's not easy. But while you're going back there and you're remembering what he said to you, remember what your parents said, whatever it was that made you felt less than, whatever it was, the relationship, it was something that just cut you to the core. And you're living like a zombie because you still have that blade in you and you're not experiencing healing. You're just walking while you're bleeding out. And I'm here to tell you, stop behaving. Stop masking that thing. Get some proper healing. Get your hope back. You're in the dark room. I want to challenge you. Can you see Jesus at the center? Because he was there. He is there. And despite the chaos that you were feeling, despite how ugly it was and how heavy it was, can you see him in the center of all that? Just take a moment and just hear what he's saying to you. Holy Spirit, speak. Can you hear him? Can you hear how he's saying, I love you. I choose you. I'm here for you. I'm not leaving. It's okay. Look at me. Look at me. Look at me. No, no, no. Don't look at the problem. Look at me. I'm still here. Somebody's punching you dead cold. Look at me. Look at me. I'm still here. Somebody's calling you less than. Somebody's saying you'll never make it. He's like, look at me. Look at me. I'm still here. I'll never leave you. I'll never forsake you. I love you. I choose you. Some people, it's divorce. Some people, whatever it is. It's dark and God's saying, don't look at that, look at me. I still want you, I still choose you. I'm not changing my mind about you. I'm so mindful of you, nothing can separate me from loving you. Look at me, look at me. Can you see Christ at the center of all that chaos? Don't be afraid of it. Don't close that door and think you, you're not gonna confront it one day because you will. Might as well do it now. Might as well get your healing now. Just listen to what Christ is saying to you. What he's been saying, what he will continue to say. He's not stopping. This is the undenying, unbelievable grace and love of God. He loves you despite your dark room. He says, I want that. When the whole world is going to judge you and cancel you quick for a mistake, God will never cancel you. God will never say, oh, you did that? I'm not looking at you anymore. That's not God. And I know it's hard to see him because of parental figures, because of figures that were supposed to be your guardians and they did a poor job. God will never do a poor job. for listening to our podcast today. The mission of Greater Church is to reach and empower all people. We hope that this message met you wherever you find yourself on the journey. 
If God is using this ministry to impact your life, please head to our website at www.greater.church where you can read a message from our pastors, partner with us by giving online, and learn more about what is happening in the life of our church. Don't forget to subscribe to our podcast and follow us on all social media.